Okay, so me and Susan back from uh, Israel, life change and trip. You'll hear about it more as we go along. It's funny to me, uh, we're going to start in Romans chapter 9. You can turn there if you want. Just got back from Israel, and God's going to be speaking the next three chapters in the book of Romans about Israel. I don't think that's a coincidence. You might. Uh, okay, so in Romans chapter 9. So the weather didn't cooperate. It was colder than a mother-in-law's kiss some days. I say that. My mother-in-law, I absolutely loved her, and her kisses weren't cold. It's just an expression. You get it, okay? The weather did not cooperate. And that was the only thing that I really had that was... But what can you do? You know, uh, Kenneth said that, that, and the people there were saying, it's never like that. Every great once in a great while, well, it was like that then. And so one day, it was, the wind was howling, the rain and the snow, and it was kind of icy snow, and it was in the 30s and maybe low 40s, I don't know. And it was just a nasty day. So we canceled our plane, went to Yad Vashem. For those of you who don't know, Yad Vashem is a Holocaust museum. It wasn't on the itinerary, and I was happy that it wasn't. Saying, why? Because uh, I get real squishy. I'm, I'm very simpatico. I don't want to watch Schindler's List. Seen it, don't want to watch it again. Watch Roots, don't want to watch it again. Anything that shows man's inhumanity to man, I don't get it. I kind of don't understand it, and it connects with me emotionally on a very deep level. And I'd never want, I, I think I would have been happy my whole life never going to Yad Vashem. Having been there, I'm glad I went. Okay? Um, what drove the Holocaust? Well, crazy guy. Funny mustache. Boy, he ruined that look forever. Nobody ever has a Hitler mustache, do they? Uh, crazy guy who was just like anti-Jewish for no good reason, then he was just satanic, right? I think that the Holocaust couldn't have happened if Christianity had sound doctrine. If the nation, and supposedly a Christian nation, I'm using my air quotes here, Germany, if the pulpit said, hey Adolf, uh, reel it back in, you're a nut job, and we ain't going along. That's all it was, it's over. There is no World War II. There's no tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people dead. There's no six million Jews lost. Bad theology. Theology matters. And the whole time we were in Yad Vashem, I was thinking, man, you've got to know. You've got to know your scriptures. So we're in uh, Romans chapter 9. And as I say, uh, no happy accident as far as I'm concerned. But I want to get through the whole chapter, and I haven't got even a verse yet, so we better get going, shall we? Let's pray. Father, as we look into your word, we pray your blessing on it. Help us to understand it as you've written it. In Jesus' name, amen. The majority of what I call Christendom believes in replacement theology. God's done with the Jews. The new darling in town, the new way God has set it up is the church is the new entity, Israel, relegated to the past. And they get what they deserve, them Christ-killing. They turn their back on their Savior, whatever happens. That's, I think that's the majority of Christendom. 
not this church, not this Christian. Because I know too much. I know too much scripture. And I can't unknow it just so that I can fit a certain paradigm. I can think a lot of these churches run together and they all move at the same. Uh, I've read, I can't tell you how much commentary I've read where the first eight chapters of uh, Romans were incredible. And he gets to nine and all of a sudden the guy does a disappearing act and well, this means this and this means this and sure, sure doesn't mean Israel. It means and it's all, and he starts allegorizing all of scripture. There is allegory in scripture. I'll be the first to admit it. But you can't just pull it out and say, okay, well, I don't quite like this. Let's allegorize it. This doesn't really mean this because uh, otherwise it would make me uncomfortable. Let's change it up. We don't, no, no, no. We're, we're very careful in our hermeneutic. The way we interpret scripture, we're very careful. We let scripture say what scripture says. With that in mind, let's jump in. Hey, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not, our brother Paul is saying, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. How many people think, raise your hand up nice, and how many people think that uh, Paul is lying? <laughs> he says, I lie not. I'm thinking like, you're Paul the Apostle. <laughs> we get it. You're lying not. He goes, listen, you've got to understand what I'm saying is the real deal. It seems kind of like going the extra mile. Like, what are you saying, Paul? Like, yeah, we, we know, dude. You're not, you're not lying. We get it. We totally get that. Um, if he didn't say, I lie not, none of you think he's lying, right? Nobody thinks that. He's doing this for emphasis. Listen, sit up and pay attention. Jesus says this, truly, truly, I say unto you, or if you get King James, verily, verily, I say unto you. When Jesus says something, pay attention. It's important. When he says, verily, I say unto you, sit up and really pay attention. It's very important. And when he says, very, verily, verily, I say unto you, you got to really engage in what he's saying. This is... This is like uh, all caps. This is outline. This is bold. This is uh, what I'm saying to you. You've got to get hold of this. And this is, I think, Paul's way of saying the same thing. This is, I'm not lying about this. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. I have a great heaviness and continuous sorrow, continual sorrow in my heart. Why is that, Paul? Well, I'm going to tell you. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ... For my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Wow! Now, if you're a mom, or if you're a dad, because what Paul's saying is, you know, I, if I could, and by, by the fact he's saying if I could means he couldn't. If I had wings and I could fly, means I don't have wings and I can't fly, Right? If I could, I'd trade my salvation for Israel's. I'd go to hell so that Israel could go to heaven. Now, you're a mom and you're a dad. You say, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling you, Paul. My kids aren't where they're supposed to be. And if I could take hell for them so they get on the track towards heaven, I'd, I'd do that. I would. You say, well, why would you? Mike's already going to heaven. Yeah, he is. But a man had two sons. And his brother, we're very concerned about. Would I trade my salvation for his? In a, in a New York minute. You know Suze would. You know, you know Suze would. No, nobody's going to argue that. Paul said, I would trade my salvation for my Jewish brethren. He's saying, oh, oof, I, don't know if I'd, I don't know if I'd do that. Paul's saying, my heart is, um, I got this continual heaviness. I got this continual sorrow. Great heaviness in my heart. I, I wish that I was accursed from Christ. I wish I was going to hell 
For my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Who's he talking about? The church here at Rome? No. Who are Israelites? Any question? Because he just answered it for us. My, no, my kinsmen according to the flesh. You know me, tribe of Benjamin, son of Abraham. Those according to my kinsmen, Jewish people, Israelites, okay? Who are Israelites? To whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. What is he saying? He's saying most of them aren't going to heaven. I wish they were. I'd trade my salvation for theirs. If they would get on board with the Savior, I, I, I'd, t- I'd take that. I'd go to hell in their place. He can't. Neither can you. Most all of us would, would, would trade our salvation away for those who we love. I get it, Mom. I get it, Dad. He said, I'd do that for Israel. They are the, whose are the fathers and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all. God blessed forever. Amen. Uh, not as though the word of God has taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Now let's start explaining a few things. He got just through Romans chapter 8 last time we were together, right? Look at Romans 8 and put your finger in Romans chapter 12. Okay, I'm going to read something for you. You could take 9, 10, and 11 and rip it right out of your Bible. And I'm not suggesting you should. You could. And it would flow from 8 to 12 seamlessly. Watch uh, as I demonstrate. As, as it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I beseech you, brethren, therefore... I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. In light of the fact that nothing's going to separate you from the love of God, in light of that, you know what you should do? You should take your body and you should present it to God as a living sacrifice. Does that kind of go together real easy in your thinking? We call chapters 9, 10, and 11 parenthetical chapters inside a parentheses. If you write a sentence right, if you make documents and you're writing something and you put something in parentheses, if you take the parentheses out, it should be able to flow right through. This, I think, is that. Not that it's parenthetical in that, yeah, this is a little, I got to beef this up a little. I need a few more chapters in here. Let's add, no, it's not an afterthought. Um, Israel is really important. Why? He just said, nothing's going to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I don't know what some of you are thinking, because I've thought the same thing. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? That's true. What about Israel? God, you got promises to Israel. You told Abraham, hey, come on over here. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation. Your children will be like the stars in the heaven. You won't be able to count them all. I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. What about the Holocaust? What about, listen, I was there. There's a lot of religion, a lot of religion. How many people are trusting Jesus for the salvation? Did God back out of his promise? That's the question. Because if he does, if he's the kind of God who says, listen, you're going to heaven because I say so. You couldn't lose it if you wanted to. 
You're thinking, well, who wants to? I don't want to. He said, even if you did, even if you wanted to back out, I'm, I'm saving you. That's all there is to it. Uh, that's my promise. You're thinking, well, God, you're not so good about your promises. What about Israel? He's addressing that in chapters 9, 10, and 11. It's a very, very important chapter. If God can't be trusted with his promises to Israel, brothers and sisters, what makes you think he can be trusted in his promises to you? It's very important, is it not? Now let's find out. He, he goes on. He's introducing the topic. He says, hey, I wish I could lose it if they would gain it. Uh, Israelites, adoption, glory, covenants, giving of the law, service of God, and the promises. They're the fathers. Uh, who's he talking about the fathers? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? The fathers. Of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came. Christ didn't come as an Irish guy. He didn't even come as a Polish guy. I don't consider Polish anything. It's just a name that people have trouble pronouncing and spelling. Okay, that's as Polish as I get. I don't polka exceptionally well. I don't enjoy Polish cuisine really well. But I got this weird name. He didn't come as a Polish. He didn't come as an Italian guy. He didn't come as an Eskimo, Aboriginal. He came as a Jewish man. Okay? He did. That, that's all. That's all he's saying. As concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is overall God blessed forever. Amen. He just called Jesus Christ God in the strongest of terms. We're not Jehovah's Witnesses here. We don't have a problem believing that Jesus Christ is God. And if you did, this verse clinches it. Is Jesus Christ God? Um... Uh, Christ came as concerning the flesh Christ came Jewish who is overall God blessed forever amen no question in our mind it's not as though the word of God has not taken effect for they are not all Israel which are of Israel what do you mean Israel isn't all Israel right neither because they are the seed of Abraham but they all uh, they Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. What's he saying here? Hey, you remember, uh, how many of you guys, okay, 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 you get one guess at this. How many children did Abraham have? Now, I had a whole mess of them, but I, I'm looking for an actual number. A lot of people would say two. You're forgetting a... Uh, after Sarah, another lady he married. When God turned the spigot back on, <laughs> he, he, was, he had it going on for... So he marries this lady named Keturah, who's got to be of childbearing age, I think. And she had uh, how many children by Abraham? No one? Six. And then there's Isaac. I mean, yeah, Isaac. And there was Ishmael of Hagar. So he's got eight. How many of them are counted as far as the promise is concerned? Just one. Not all the children of Abraham are children of Abraham is his point. In the sense of, it's not like I, I, I lost count of anybody, God saying, Paul saying on God's behalf. They are not all the seed of Abraham. Are they, uh, just because they're the seed of Abraham, they're not all children. But in Isaac shall they see be called. In Isaac exclusively. By the way, where does that leave you? I'm not Jewish. God's promises on to me that to this guy called Isaac. 
Somebody please refute that. <laughs> I will. Galatians chapter 4. I heard a guy say the exact opposite from Galatians this week, and I was just like, huh. That was very distressing. Verse 22, for it is written that Abraham had two sons. Now, if you said two, that's a good answer, because that's scriptural. Not counting Keturah's sons, okay? But at, this, at one point, he had two sons. The one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. Hagar, the bondmaid, the slave woman, right? But the other by a free woman. Her name was Sarah. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. Is that important? Very important. Which things are an allegory? So I believe in allegory in Scripture. What do you mean allegory? Well, he's going to explain it. These are the two covenants, the one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. What happened on Mount Sinai? The law. You want to do... Child of God by the law, that's bondage. That won't work. It, it won't. As a matter of fact, we're going to find that in Romans chapter 9, if I ever get there. Um, Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar, it's Hagar in the uh, ha, the Gar stranger. Her name was the stranger. Isn't that interesting? Anyway, for this agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with the children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. We're not... Our mom, Jerusalem, not Mount Sinai. For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry thou that travailest not, for the desolate hath more children than she which hath an husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. Oh, that was a good place for an amen. Let me tee it up for you again. Now we, brethren, as Isaac, now we, brethren, who? He's not writing to Rome anymore. He's writing to Galatians. It's, it's not a Roman, it's not a, a Jewish city. He's writing to people in this area, Galatia. It's kind of like more of a province. It's more like an area than it is like one place. He's, this was passed around. There'd be Jewish people in these churches, but that's not the point. The point is we, brethren, Christians, ones who have trusted Jesus Christ, now we, brethren, it's like Isaac was, we're the children of promise. We're not, we're not like uh, Ishmael. We're like Isaac. Okay. And he, the guy I was listening to, he taught the exactly wrong. He said, this is all about Israel. It is. It is. I grant him that. He says, no, don't interject the church here. No, we have a promise too. We're children of Abraham too. Galatians chapter 4, I just read, says so. Even if you're not, don't have any genetic, I don't, you know, I've asked this, well, how many people are genetically Jewish here? I never get a hand. You going to heaven? You ch children of Abraham? Yeah, I sure am. I sure am. It's not a genetic thing. It's a faith thing. Uh, Abraham had a son called Ishmael. Is he a child of promise? He's not. Uh, uh, Hagar, not Hagar, uh, Keturah had six sons. None of them are children of promise. Isaac is. Um, where am I? Where am I? In Isaac shall neither, because they are the seed of Abraham, are they children, but in Isaac shall they see be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh... 
These are not the children of God, but the children of the promise I counted for the seed. Now that kind of should be obvious to us. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. You remember, that's the promise of God. He was with him at the Oaks of Mamre, and he was going down to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, hey, I'm going to be back here this time, this, next time this year. And by this time next year, Sarah's going to have a, a, a child. Remember she laughed? Remember that whole thing? Because it's based on God's promise, not based on her faithfulness, not based on anything more than God's promise. That's salvation. That's how it works. And not only this, but when Rebecca also, now who's Rebecca? Well, in the course of time, Abraham and Sarah had a son, and his name was Isaac. Laughter. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, this can't happen, huh? Uh, I, I, I'm an old lady. I can have a child. And Abraham, he's no spring chicken, and she laughs. And remember, God said, hey, why is she laughing? Is anything to hide with God? Hey, honey, you laughing? Uh, oh, no, not me. Yeah, you're not laughing, all right. We're going to name the child laughter just to remind you of you're not laughing. Abraham laughed, too. I think he came from a different place. I think hers came from a place of doubt. I think his came from a place of joy. And I don't, I think that's just the way it was. I'm not saying, I just think that's the way it was. She laughed, so yeah, we'll call the child laughter. Well, he got married to this woman named Rebecca. Well, she had. She couldn't have kids either, and they prayed. And all of a sudden, she had twins. One of those is, as we would say, saved, child of the promise. The other one, in the same womb at the same time, not. How does that work? Well, I'm afraid many of us won't like the answer. I am just going to teach the Word of God straightforwardly. Anytime you try to mess around with this, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. If you just say what it says, you'll, you, you won't like it, but I don't have to apologize for it. This is the word of promise. At this time will I come and Sarah will have a son. Not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. Well, what do you mean? I mean this. It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. So he, she goes to God and she says, hey, I got warfare going on in my womb. What's going on? And he says, you, get out, you know what? You got two nations in there and they're at war one with another. If you have two nations in your womb, that's good. Sister, God bless you. That's going to be trouble, okay? Uh, two manner of people are there. And the, the younger will ser- the older will serve the younger. That's not the way it's done. The oldest child is a child of promise. You know, God s- says that, and then he goes out of his way every time to make that not null and void. Why? The oldest child is one who inherits. But God doesn't care much about the physical birth. He cares a lot about the spiritual birth, the second birth. And it's very often... Emblematic. It's a picture of the second birth. Is a picture of the spiritual birth. Okay, uh, is it Ishmael the firstborn, or is it Isaac the secondborn? It's Isaac. Is it Esau the firstborn, or is it Jacob the secondborn? It's Jacob. God goes out of His way. He sets His rule, and He breaks it every opportunity. And I can give you a lot of other examples in Scripture as well. The elder shall serve the younger, as it is written: Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Now I just lost everybody. God says, you know what? They're not even born yet. They haven't done anything yet. I select Jacob. 
No one's a bad guy here. Nobody's a good guy. Jacob is not a good guy. Esau is not a horribly bad guy. Esau is a picture of the flesh. He doesn't concern himself with the things of God at all. He doesn't. Jacob concerns himself with the things of the flesh, but he's very manipulative, and he's kind of a con man. And God selects him. Before they were even born, and before they ever did anything, saying, why is that? Um, That the purpose of God, according to election, might stand. Not of works, but of him that calleth. God called Jacob to be the the guy who was going to inherit the blessing, not Esau. Adam, that's not fair. In America, I've, I've answered this a thousand times. America, we have this sense of fairness. Everyone's going to be born on a level playing field. Everyone's going to have the same opportunities. Everyone's going to have the same amount of wealth. Everyone's going to be born of a two-parent family. Everybody's got to have a silver spoon in their mouth. Everybody's got to be afforded the same college, the same health care, the same uh, physical ability. Everyone should be... Uh, because we want people to play in the NBA, so everyone should be seven feet tall, everyone should be fast, so they can all be right. And that's how it is. And everyone's got to be that way. And if, we, and if it's not that way, we don't like it. In what world has that ever happened? In what world has that ever happened? Uh, basketball, the net's way up 10 feet tall. Do you know basketball discriminates against short people? I mean, it just does. Uh, you'll say, well, and you'll say one guy who's a great basketball player who's like Bob Cousy size or something like that. Yeah, there's one. But I guess if you win the body lottery, you've got a better chance of playing in the NFL, uh, playing baseball or football, making millions of dollars. That's just the way it is. Not everyone sings pretty. Not everyone is pretty. Not everyone is born to wealthy parents. Now, we hate that in America, and that's just the way it is. Well, Adam is God that way. Uh, He doesn't owe us grace. He'll give anyone grace, but he doesn't owe us. And here he's going on to make that point, and it's not a point that plays well in America. So much It doesn't play well everywhere, because Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Now, when I say hated... God so loved the world, Adam, that he gave his only begotten son. Hated comparatively, figure this out. In Luke, chapter 14. Uh, verse 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and his mother, his wife, his children, his brethren, his sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. So if you're going to be God's disciple, you've got to hate it, your mom. I'm sorry, I didn't hate my mom. It's a comparative. It's a comparative. My love for God is so great that my love for everyone else looks by hatred, looks like hatred by comparison. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to about, hey, you've got to come, you've got to serve the Lord, you've got to get born again. Well, my mom would be all upset if I... Oh, your mommy would be upset there. Oh, that's too bad. Wait, the God of the universe is calling you to come follow him, and you're worried about your mommy? Should you hate your parents? How many people think, like, it's godly to hate my parents? I just hate them. I think it's a one. No, 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 no. Those are the ones you're supposed to honor. You remember there's a whole commandment that says honor them. Uh, I was a a very devoted son. Mom's gone now. Uh, When she was alive, 
I was, a, I was a very devoted son. I think that's what God wanted me to do. My love for her compared to my love for God. That not, you can't, no. no. You understand that. Everyone understands that. We say, I love my spouse. I love hot dogs. I hope. I know you're using the same word. I hope there's a little bit of a difference by what you mean. Okay? I hope. And I think that's all we're talking about here. Jacob have I loved. Esau have I hated. Uh, well, I just... I just I can't uh, stand that Esau guy, God's saying. If Esau came to God and said, hey, save me, please. You think Esau would get saved? Well, that's going to be between you and God, how you answer that question. And I don't think it tells me much about God at all. I think it tells me a lot about you, though. Because I have an idea that God's not willing that any should perish, including Esau. Esau never cared. He was, he's a picture of the flesh all through Scripture. He doesn't care about the things of God. He's an American <laughs> in the 21st century. Ah, I don't care about that God stuff, bah, whatever. That, that's who he reminds me of. And when people say that to me, I have found they're not really concerned about Esau at all. They, they're trying to make a, an argument against God's fairness. Like Paul's going to answer right now. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Hey, I don't know if I like this. God chose Esau. I chose uh Jacob over Esau. What gives there? Hey, God's sovereign. He can do what he wants. He doesn't owe you election. He's not willing that you should perish. And people come up to me and say, that's not fair. Hey, 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 hey. Get saved. Ask Christ to come into your heart. Will he? Who comes ever, whoever comes to me, then there's no way I'd turn, I'd turn him away. Well, I'm not going to do that. Well, that's unfortunate because <laughs> the Bible says those who turn away from Jesus Christ and don't accept him, there's a place at the end of that whole thing is called hell. I didn't write it, but that's how it works out. Well, I don't think I like that. Oh, well, then get saved. Well, I ain't going to do that. Well, make up your mind. What is your problem? I, I, I know this about Jesus Christ. I know this. I know this. I know this. Lord, I came to him. It's February 14th, 98. Lord, save me. He said, yeah. Yeah. You have no idea, Adam, how long I've waited for you to pray this prayer. Yeah, absolutely. And I could have, well, I yeah, you look at you saved this guy. Like, what? Play that game all you want. But at the end of the day, God has a right to elect. He's sovereign. <laughs> now, if I try to manipulate the, that, this around, that's when I get into a lot of trouble. But it's pretty straightforward. Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. No, God's not unrighteous. The fact that he saved me, I really appreciate that. He's not holding you at arm's length. When the Bible says God so loved the world, he means you. When the Bible says uh, he's not willing that any should perish, he means you. <laughs> I, just, I just want you to understand that. So don't say, oh, I can't. He didn't call me. He didn't elect me. Stop it. You don't know any of that. You don't know if your name was in God's a book of life from the foundation of the earth. Just get saved and settle it. Is there unrighteousness with God? No, God forbid. But he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. He gives us an example of this. So then it is not to him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. So throw yourself on God's mercy. Are you going to try to run? you going to try to will? It won't work. It won't work. It never does work. Well, I'm going to keep all the commandments. It won't work. Well, I'm going to sit in lotus position and navel gaze. It won't work. I'm going to, whatever methodology you have other than throwing yourself on the mercy of God won't work. 
I'm just telling you, okay? If there was another way, I would tell you. I'm not, I'm not trying to get people to go to hell. I'm trying to get them to go to heaven. If there was another methodology for you to go to heaven, I would certainly would tell you. I'm not, I wouldn't withhold it. It's not to him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, and he's going to give us an example. God said, I have mercy on whom I have mercy. That's my prerogative. I'm God. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. God had ten plagues. Moses wanted to tap, uh, Moses, Pharaoh wanted to tap out after sex. God just can't have that. There's not going to be a Passover. You're hanging in there. And God strengthened Pharaoh's resolve. Was, was that unrighteous with God? I don't, I don't think so. He said, I'm going to have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. I'll have, I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. Even for this same person, have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. It's important that there were ten plagues. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. Now wait a second. That's way out of bounds. Hang with me. Thou wilt then say unto me, why does he yet find fault? If, I, if he's hardening me so that I can't come to him. How's he going to... He makes me hard towards him so I can't come to him and then later he's going to find fault for me being hard towards him. Hello? Something's a little bit... He's dealing from the bottom of the deck. There's something that's quite, not quite kosher here, if I could use that. No, there's no double dealing. Uh, I'm ha- I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy and whom he will he harneth. Then you'll say to me, why does he find fault? For who has resisted as well? If he's called me to salvation, I'm going to get saved. If he hasn't called me to salvation, well, I got no hope whatsoever. I already, I already don't believe that part of the argument. But listen to this, O man. Who are you that replies against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why have you made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor, another unto dishonor? So he made you, and you have beautiful flowers, and you are. And you're holding flowers, and you're a decorative piece, and you're like, you know, you're not, you go in the antique road show and you see these vases, Ming vases of some dynasty long forgotten, and they're worth tens and tens of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands, I don't know. That's you. And he takes the same lump of clay, and he makes a urinal. And that's, by the way, the dishonor one here. One vessel in honor, another into dishonor. I'll just make it a spittoon, okay? Same lump of clay. And this thing of spittoon says, oh, I want it to be a beautiful vase. He has the power to do it. He's God. And he's saying, right, it doesn't seem quite right. He just pulled some, a fast one on me. I'm saying, hey, 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 wait, 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 wait. how come this isn't, I, I want to get saved, but you won't let me get saved because you've hardened me. You've, you've pre-designated me to damnation. By the way, there's no verse in the Bible. I've only read through the Bible 43 times, so maybe I missed it 43 times, okay? And if you bring it to my attention, I'd sure appreciate it. I've never seen a verse that pre-designates somebody to damnation. And if you, if you have that verse, please show it to me. Well, don't you suppose... I don't want to suppose. I want to see it in writing. I want to see a verse that says, uh, uh, God says, uh, your, uh, your name's in Lamb's Book of Life from the foundation of the earth. You, you damned. 
I mean, it's got, you think God does that duck, duck, damn, duck, duck, damn, goes around, you know, selecting, just kind of like, yeah, yeah. I know, I know you like it saved, but no. I know that the Bible says that God's not willing that he should perish. And he never lets us get off on that. Wow, you didn't save me. You didn't pre-designate me. He, he never lets us get off on that. So he just, I got a real question about that. And he just says, so who do you, who do you think you are asking that question? He's going to answer the question. Isn't that good? But he just wants you to understand something. You don't have the right to ask it. Neither do I. The thing formed us. Do we have right to say to the former, the creator, who do you think you are? Why'd you make me thus? You made me a Polish guy. I don't want to be a Polish guy. I want to be a, a black woman. You made me the wrong gender. You made me at the wrong time. You made me in the wrong family. You, who are you? <laughs> Who do you think you are? And it's a, I'm, I'm glad Paul says it's a good question. Now, he's not pulling some shenanigans on us. He's going to explain the answer in a hypothetical. He says, well, the one, the potter has the power of the clay of the same lump to make one vessel honorable and the other dishonorable. What if? This is the hypothetical. What if? Okay? Uh, all hypotheticals start like that, right? What if there were no hypothetical questions? I don't know. What if God, and by the way, I don't think this is a what if. I think this is actually how it happens. He's going to give us an example, and I think this is reality. This isn't a what if. This isn't a, a presupposition. I mean, it is a, he puts it in the form of a presupposition, but I think it's the way it really works. You tell me if you think different. What if God, willing to show his wrath, and to make his power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. What's he saying? How come there are unrighteous, wicked, godly, heathen people that God doesn't squish like a bug? I told you I was at Yad Vashem. How can he let it get that out of control? You know people, and I know people. I'm not talking about our neighbors, who hopefully you love and you're trying to reach the gospel of Jesus Christ. These guys running around the landscape saying all kinds of wicked, horrible, godless, doing Satan's work, knowing that they are, trying to decimate and ruin. And why does God let them? And Paul's saying, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's all through Scripture. Yeah, Psalm 73, the Psalm of Asaph. Well, how come the godless, the wicked, how come they prosper? How come they have all the money? How come they have all the fame? How come they never have to answer for anything that they do wrong? I'm having a problem with this God. And, God, and he just didn't, in, in Psalm 73, he just didn't go far enough. He goes, ah, then I came into the house of the Lord, and I remembered there end. Oh, they're having their heyday now, but it'll be for a short period, and then it will go sideways on them, and it's not going to end up good at all. And we all know that. What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with long, with long suffering the vessels of wrath for the destruction? What if God said, hey, I want to show something. I'm very gracious, and he lets people go to a very large degree, down a very bad road for a very long time. I want to show you how gracious I am. I want to 
He wants to make his power known. He endures with much long-suffering. Patience, but read it here as long-suffering. He suffers for a long time. As people mock him, as they wreak havoc on his church and on his people, that he may make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. See, what we think is like in America, everyone should be equal. Everyone should get saved. Everyone should be, that's very vanilla, that's very boring. You're born in America, you're instantly saved. It didn't work that way with Israel. It didn't work that way with children of Abraham. Isaac shall I see be called. It didn't work that way with Isaac's children. So now Jacob had 12 children. It worked that way with all 12 of them and all their descendants. Nathan, I mean, uh, uh, Dathan, uh, what's that, uh, whatever in Abihu, the sons of, uh, I, I can't remember. You think everybody, listen, Judas was a child of Abraham in the flesh. It doesn't work that way. It's not like God didn't keep his promise. It's his promise was never that every single ch- son of Abraham, I'm going to make sure, gets to heaven. That was never the promise. Not implied, not expressly written or anything like that. Is there anything written in a constitution or in our, everyone gets to go in the end. I don't care, uh, I don't care what religion you are, it's, it's all good. I don't care if you believe in Jesus or not, it's all good. I don't care if you're a scoundrel and you rape children for a living. I don't, it's all good. Everything's good, and there's no bad, and everyone gets in at the end. Love wins. Ah. Bible doesn't say that. What if God's willing to show uh, uh, that he might make known his riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy? Read here, Adam. And you, if you've trusted in Christ. Uh, is, is God glorious? I want to tell you how glorious he is. He saved me. Oh. And if you only knew, you'd be saying, oh my goodness, he's, uh, he's incredible. But you probably have your own hands full saying, yeah, he saved me. Isn't, isn't he incredible? Isn't he glorious? Isn't he good? Isn't he gracious? Isn't he merciful? Well, why didn't he save this scoundrel live? Yeah. Free will. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. He, he, he's, he lets us, God's willing to show his wrath and to make his power known. He endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had fore prepared unto glory. I have no problem with God calling me. I love the fact that he did. Even us, whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but of the Gentiles. In the New Testament, there's three types of people. In the Old Testament, there's two types of people, Jew and Gentile. And if you're a Gentile and you proselyte to Judaism, they call, consider you a Jew. Like Caleb. He was one of the outsiders, and he became in the tribe of Judah, I think. And he's as Jewish as anybody, because it isn't always a genetic thing. Okay? That's how it worked. So in the Old Testament, you get Jew and Gentile, and Right here, in the, for the most part, believer and unbeliever. In the New Testament, you don't have that anymore. You have Jew, Gentile, and church. And the church is made up of Jew and Gentile. Remember that middle wall of partition? It doesn't exist anymore. That was also a good place for an amen. Anyway, 
Anyway, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Aren't you glad? No, God keeps his promise. Don't look at Israel and say, oh, God doesn't keep his promise. No, he never said he was going to save every last living Jewish person who ever lived. That wasn't the promise. And this promise goes not only to Jews, but to Gentiles also. This verse says so. Galatians chapter 4 says so. You can trust him. He's not going to pull the rug out from under you. As he saith also in O.C., that's Hosea. I hope you're familiar with that. Uh, God says to uh, Hosea, he's a prophet, right? Hey, why don't you go marry this prostitute? Nah, I have problems right away. You want, wait a second, Lord. You want me to what? What? I, I, and she has children by him. And he mentioned, he names the first one Jezreel. Like, like, that's like naming your child Hiroshima. Okay, that's, that's not. And then he names uh, not, the next one, Lo am I, not my people. And the last one is not loved. Lo Hurama, I think is the name. I want your children to be named like Hiroshima, not loved, and not my people. Those aren't good names, God. But he's making a point with the naming of these children. And then Gomer's unfaithful to his wife's name. She's one, she's a prostitute. Two, her name's Gomer. I, I Gomer, I think a Gomer pile. I ain't gonna be married to no gym neighbors. I'm sorry. I just I can't even get my mind around that, okay? Uh, Shazam, golly, uh, never mind, anyway. As he saith unto uh, Hosea, I will call them my people which were not my people. You remember that? He changes his mind. He says, okay, they weren't my people, but I'm going to make them my people now. And he extends to them graciousness and, and salvation, and, uh, and salvation is, is afforded now. They used to not be my people. Now they're my people. Who's he talking about? Is he talking about Israel? Is he talking about the Gentiles? That's the question, because there's a big debate on that. I think he's talking about both. I think, I think the, the hand's out there, anyone who will. I think that's how the New Testament works, whosoever will. I'll call them my people which were not my people, and her beloved which was not beloved. Lohurama, remember? Not beloved. Oh, I'm going to call her beloved now. I love her now. He changes mine? Yeah, in a real sense, yeah. I'm, I'm responding to her wanting to be in, included. And it came to pass in the place where it was said unto them, you are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Aren't you glad? My late greats, they were. Uh, so I got this Polish thing, I got this Irish thing too. Mom was Irish. So were her late greats, what? Druids? I, I don't know. On both sides of the families, pagans, far back as you want to go. And God said, no, 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 Adam, come on, close. I'm okay with that. I'm not changing it up. It's not, okay, let's keep going. Isaiah, because I'm coming close here. Isaiah also cried concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. What do you mean? <sighs> you can't number them. They're a huge amount of people, but... Salvation, it's to the remnant, the smaller subset. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a seed, we had been as Sodoma, Sodom, right, and been made like Gomorrah. You know what the thing is? If God hadn't intervened in our life, it'd be just like Sodom and Gomorrah. You mean wiped out? No. Well, yeah, but no, I'd, I'd be 
just like Sodom, a Sodomite, is what he's saying. This sin, that's just my sin. That's no different at all. If God left me to my own devices, that's what he's saying. No, but instead God reached out and he offered salvation and he brought me near and he saved me and he rained fire and brimstone on me. No, not at all. Aren't you happy? Aren't you glad about that? Uh, you can read about Sodom and Gomorrah. It's, it's a grisly ending. I don't know if I'd like, I don't even like cold rain. <laughs> I sure don't like hot rain in a form of like fire and brimstone. Never had that happen to me before. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't like it. But that's us outside of God's work in our lives. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles which fall not after righteousness have attained a righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. Now, stay with me. Stay with me. So I'm a Gentile. I'm walking down a highway, fat, dumb, and happy. Don't care about anything. I'm not following after God. I'm not seeking God. I'm not a law keeper. I don't keep Sabbath. I don't diet kosher. I don't, I don't keep the feast days. I don't, ten command, I don't know anything about that. And all of a sudden, God comes and he says, hey, salvation. I'm like, I'm in. Now, there are those who are on the same with me. They're running by me. They're working hard. They are running a race. They are like, come on, we got to get there. we got to do Come on. They're rallying and they're working hard and they're sweating and they're trying to maintain. They're, they're doing kosher and they're doing the law and they're, they're trying to, and they do the Sabbath and all that and stuff. And I just got I, got, I come in on a pass. I just got off in salvation. I said, yeah. I'm on it like a hornet. Grab it like a rabbit, for he changes his mind. And then there are those who are striving. Who's getting saved? Well, it was, might surprise you. The Gentiles, which fall not after righteousness, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. Now, I know some people are trying to earn it, and he's going to tell you what happens there. But Israel, which fall after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. God didn't, he didn't let people slip through his fingers. You're coming at it wrong, is what he's saying here. You're trying to come into my presence all wrong. You're trying to do it by keeping the law. It never works. It doesn't work in America. You talk to people all the time. I talk to people all the time. I'm a good person. I don't kill anybody. I've never cheated on my wife. So therefore, God should grant us salvation. We have a law. I know it's only two commandments, don't kill anybody and don't cheat, but I keep both of those commandments, God should let me in. And God said, I don't do that. I don't, I, that's not the way I roll. I don't work according to anyone's law. Look, Israel, which fall after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because the law is so comprehensive, you can't do it all. You can't. And if you're trying to do it and get to God by doing it, forget it, it's never going to work. They sought it not by faith. But as it were, by the works of the law. I'm trying to get to God by the works of the law. Listen, I saw it. I saw it with my own eyes. I was at the wailing wall. I saw the, 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 the phylacteries and the talith and the, uh, the head coverings. And uh, I saw the whole thing. Uh, if I go to the wall and I kind of uh, like this for a long, long time, I'm getting closer and closer and closer and closer all the time. God says, I don't know what you're talking about. Here, faith. No, I'm not doing it that way. I'm doing it by the righteousness which comes by the Lord. He says, you'll never get there. This is what he's saying. I didn't drop anybody. I didn't change my mind. I didn't, it's not that I didn't keep my promise, God's saying. 
They don't have it because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone. <laughs> Jesus fell from heaven like a stone. <laughs> Think about it. And I said, salvation, great, let's go. And me and him were going to the finish line together. Wonderful. Oh, get that. What is that? I, Jesus, I don't need I, I'm doing the prayers. I don't, I don't get time for no Jesus. They stumbled at the stumbling stone. You do realize that's who's being talked about here. They stumbled at the stumbling stone. As is written, behold, I lay in Zion, a stumbling stone and rock of offense. Can I give him a name? Jesus Christ. And whoso believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Oh, I wasn't called. Stop it. Please stop it. Don't play those games. You're called if you just answer the call. Lord, save me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, come on in. Water's fine. Hey, I got a home for you that outshines the sun. You've got no idea what I've got for you. Oh, I'm just going to be righteous. I'm going I'm to meditate and I'm going to, uh, I got prayer beads and I've got, I, I fast twice a week and I, I'll never get you there. Hey, easy, God says. That's not the way to do it. Jesus, he died for all your sins. Oh, no, I, I'm going to do the religious thing. I tried it. I tried it. I grew up religious. I tried it. Didn't work. God didn't change his mind. Listen, if you remember at the beginning of this, I think this is in chapter 5, God believed, Abraham believed God, it was credited to him, it was counted to him for righteousness. It's always been the same way. Everyone who comes to God comes by faith. And nobody comes by keeping the law. So we say, God, I don't know if you're good for your word. I don't know if you're going to keep me. And they're not saying, I've, I've kept everybody. What are you talking about? What about Israel? Yeah, they're not coming the right way. It's, it, no, it, no. It's by faith. It's not by works. Easy peasy, right? Not as easy as you would think. Okay, I've gone one minute over. Last point. Not as easy as you would think. Why? Because I want to have a hand in my own salvation because of pride and I won't take it God's way. You mean Jesus has done everything? I don't have to do anything except accept him as Savior? Too easy. I don't want it. I want to and now we got a like I said, I saw a whole culture. It's tragically sad. What are you going to do to get saved? A lot of things and, and we all have our own prescription. We have our own well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know, sit uh, in the lotus position and recite, you know, this. Okay. God bless you. <laughs> it's America. You can do whatever you want, right? But I'm just telling you, the Bible says this is the way of salvation. This is a record that God has given us, eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Hey, I didn't write it, but I'm telling you, it is written. All right, let's stand. Let's, we'll go out of here in song. No, no, God didn't drop anybody. He's to be trusted. He didn't... This is the rules. Oh, you don't want to come by the rules. You want to come your own way. I'm not, I'm not playing. I'm not changing my rules to, to suit you. Well, this is America. Yeah, God's not American. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, does this sound harsh? I don't mean to sound harsh, but I want to be very forthright. 
okay? Father, we thank you for this word. Um, Lord, my heart is toward your people, Israel, as they be saved as well, like, like Paul. Well, I don't know if I want to trade my salvation, Lord, but you know my own heart toward my son. I would trade my salvation for his. But I want to see everybody come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I want to see everyone just say, Jesus, save me. Please come into my life and be my, my savior. And I know that there's no way you'd say no to anybody who did that. I understand how this works. So, Father, I just pray for salvation for the many who are outside the Ark of the Covenant because we see the days getting closer and there's going to be less and less opportunity. So I pray you'd pour out your Spirit, Lord, in a large way these days. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.